Welcome to Encounter. We want nothing more than to help you find and follow Jesus. If you're a college student in Central Illinois, head to isuencounter.org or download our student app to learn about all that's happening here. Thanks for listening. Good evening. This is meant as a compliment. I teach junior hires. There's like a really good junior high energy here. That's, that's a good thing. Because you guys know, you get out of junior high, and then you're too cool to like have fun, you know? And then it's like, this is, the, this is why I like teaching junior high, is like there's that energy, and it's fun. So please take that as a compliment. Um, my name is John McLean, and um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about me, which I always kind of like thought was weird when, te- when speakers would do that. It's like, oh, I really don't care that much about you, just like preach or whatever. But as you get older, you realize that, the, that your, your life, the people that you know, the situations that you're in are part of the way that God is working in and through you. And so um, I just want to tell you a little bit about me, just so you know, uh, I'm going to reference some things over the, over the next a couple days, and just so you know a little bit about me. Um, I, uh, I teach at Cornerstone. Um, can you give me a shout out? Any former Cornerstone students here? Okay, okay. So I teach, uh, it's really good to see you guys. I teach 7th through ninth grade Bible. I've done that for about 12 years now. Uh, we're, yeah, I've been at Cornerstone for about 12 years, and I really, um, really like that. Um, I actually get to, I've got to have uh, three of the Miller kids, Silas, Ezra, and Zeke, as students, yeah, um, and I'm just want to, I'm really thankful for Encounter. I've gotten to know a few people over the last couple of years who have been impacted by Encounter. I didn't really know that much about it until about a year or two ago, and um, I'm just thankful for what God's doing here, and I'm glad to be um, a part of this weekend. Um, my, I'm married, been married for about 19 years, and I have two kids. I think we got a, a picture up here. Um, my wife is, this is like, I had to take a picture to show my students, my family, and we all just sat on the couch and took a picture. So my wife is Larissa, uh, and my kids, Isaac and Nora, uh, we all get to ride to school. So my wife is the nurse at Cornerstone. So we all get to ride to school and ride home together. And that's really cool. And then we have, uh, an awkward dog on the left and then a poop turd for a dog in the middle. And that is not an exaggeration. He poops on the stairs when he doesn't get to sleep where he wants to. It's a good thing he's so cute, otherwise he'd be dead. Okay. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Anyway, um, uh, I also uh, was a youth pastor for a long time, and it's been, I've gotten to see a couple kids. Sorry, you're not kids, but like I had you as, as youth group, Renee, Bradley. It's been great to see you guys. So um, so did that for about 14 years too. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my upbringing. It'll come in into play a little bit later. Uh, I was raised in a in a very religious Christian home, Christian home um, where we we followed all the rules. Okay, and I think part of not that following the rules is bad. Okay, I like that rule. Don't be an idiot. Okay, um, yeah, I use that in my classes, uh, but. Rules are good, right? But I was raised in a, if you know anything about the Gospels, a very much Pharisee home. And I think the reason why I love what I do, or I'm passionate about what I do, is I want to, I want kids who uh, have heard the Bible 
to know the Lord, to know Jesus as their Lord, and not just to know about him. Um, and I'll talk a little bit uh, more later about like my dad and, and those other things that have um, impacted me. We are going to, let's jump right into it. We're going to look at the parable of the sower this weekend. And we're going we're gonna to read it each time. I'm going to be using the NIV. And so we're going to read through the passage from Luke. It's also found in Matthew. But let's read through the whole passage and then, um, then we'll get started. Luke 8, verse 4. Luke 8, verse 4 uh, through 15. It says, And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, Jesus said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock. And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that your word, your spirit changes lives. That when we humble ourselves, that when we receive your word and allow it to change us, you will bear fruit in our lives. Would you give us open hearts tonight? We thank you for your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. There's four soils we're going to cover. The first one we're going to cover today is the path. Um, then we're going to look at the rocky soil, the weeds, and the good soil. But the first three are bad, and the last one is good. That's why he calls it good. Um, but the good news is this. Before we go any farther, like you're saying, Jesus changes everything. He can change any heart at any time. And the good news is, no matter which, if you are one of the three, and that's my big thing, my big question for you is just, you got to be honest with yourself. I know what it's like to be in these situations. I was raised in these settings, and I know that you can lie to yourself. You can cover up. We all, we all can do it with, with the situations that we're in. But no matter your soil, Jesus can change you. Um, you're going to be, uh, we, I went with this because you're going to be doing, or you've already started, I think, a series on turning point of people who have come to Jesus and, and they, they are kind of confronted with, with who he is. Some people turn away, some people receive him, some people, their lives are changed. But before, before you are going to consider the message, 
You have to consider the soil of your heart before you hear that. And you have to be willing to be honest about which soil you are. Where, what is the status of your heart? So that's the big question this weekend. What's the status of your heart? You might not fit one of these four exactly, okay? But it's at least helpful to consider um, the soils that we have here. Um, in the time of Christ, the hardest-hearted people were the religious leaders who knew the most. So right away, just because you're an encounter, just because you know the Bible, does not mean that you are the good soil. Don't judge your heart by the circumstances that you're in. I did that for a lot of my life. It's very easy to judge, well, I, I go to encounter, or I go to church, or I, you know, this, the, the circumstances that you're in, those are not your heart. So you have to pray and ask God to show you where your heart is this weekend. Um, James uses the illustration, we're going to turn there in a little bit, um, but for right now, he used the illustration of a mirror. And when we are confronted with God's word, we, it shows us the truth about us. And we can either see it and turn away, or we can, with humility, receive it and be changed. So let's look at the first soil, the path. And as Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So I'm going to read again verses 5 through 12. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. The, the, the word is spread. The sower doesn't matter. He doesn't explain the sower. Like it's just whoever is sharing the word. That's not the most important part. The important part is the seed is the word and it's shared to everyone. It's a terrible farmer, just a terrible farmer. They're just throwing it everywhere, okay? You, you, you get it, you get it, you get it. He's just, everybody gets to hear it. But the difference between all of the, the results is not the word. The word's the same. The difference is the soil, the heart that it lands on, and how that truth is received. So, with first soil, we have a, a trampled path. Um, out at Cornerstone, along the back, uh, there's, it's gravel. It's not, it's not pavement. And cars are driving on it. People are walking it all the time. And every now and then, I'll see like a, a thing that got stuck on top and then just got driven on and walked on. It does not sink down in. Because what, happen, what, what happens to a, a path that gets trampled on constantly? It gets hard. And so the, the path is the person whose heart is so hardened that there is no reception of God's word. Now there's two types I want you to think about. The first one is Probably not likely that there are a lot of people here, but it is like this, but it's possible. And that's just the outright rejection of God's word. Um, I've been at these types of things like in my life, and I know like there could be somebody here who you're like, I don't really care about Jesus. You know, I don't really, really, really want to care about the Bible, but I'll come to this retreat. And that's possible. But I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on that. So you might just reject it because 
you're like, you know, I just want to do what I want to do. Or you might think that the Bible is like fairy tales or, or whatever. Um, and I'll say very similar to what Ben said. Just look at Jesus. There is no, no one else, no other religion like him. Find someone that you know who knows Jesus and ask them about him. Read God's word. But that is possible that there are people here um, who are in that situation. And Jesus offers the one thing you're not going to get anywhere else, and that's life. One of my favorite lines from a movie is in Wally, where at the end, spoiler alert, sorry, uh, in Wally, the evil robot has set up everything for them to survive, and the human beings are trying to find something else. And the robot says, I have given you everything you need to survive. And what is it? Anybody know what he says? He says, I don't want to survive. I want to live. Jesus is the only person who can offer you what you really want, and that's life. But the area I want to focus on the most, you're like, well, isn't that, like, isn't that the path? Um, no. The other hardened heart is a lot more subtle It's not the person who says, I don't want anything to do with Jesus. I don't want God's word. It's the person who is in Christian culture, knows what the Bible says, but has not actually allowed God's word to change them, to pierce their heart. One of the most terrifying, and this is to me, I teach the Bible all day long. One of the most terrifying truths in all the Bible is that the most religious people who knew the Bible, the Old Testament, more than anyone else, were the most wicked and the most condemned by Jesus. That scares me. If, if the, the people who knew God's word more than anyone else were called by Jesus the most wicked people, then that means the no- knowledge of God's word means absolutely nothing if it does not change your life. They surrounded themselves. Their entire life was God's word. Every trapping, every clo- everything. But it did not take root in their life, which tells me you can be around the Bible, you can know the Bible, you can understand the Bible, you can be able to teach the Bible and be hard-hearted and, un- and according to this passage, not saved. This is the one that clearly says this person is not saved. They had everybody else fooled. And that's why, again, you, you have to be honest with yourself and you have to ask God to reveal your heart to you. It does not matter what everybody else, what anyone else thinks. It doesn't matter what your parents think or anybody in encounter. What matters is your heart. And we know we can hide that. But that's, that's it's pretty scary. And Jesus condemnation to the Pharisees over and over was your hard hearts. He condemned their hard hearts. They knew the Bible. They didn't actually allow it to change them. Um, my, the, most per, the person in my life who was the most hard-hearted was also the most religion, I, religious. I've never met a person more religious than my dad. No one. But I've also never met a person more hard-hearted. And the core of that is pride. That's the core of hard-heartedness, which is why the Bible addresses 
humility as the key when we come to God's word. So let's read James 1. We're going to go to, sorry, go to James 1, and we're going to read verses 22 through 25. James 1, 22 through 25. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Looking at the mirror does nothing. Okay? Be like, if you go in the morning and you spend 15 minutes looking in the mirror, and you know every crazy hair, wherever it's going, you know every zit, whatever, like, you know, just... You see all of the stuff, and you know it perfectly, and then you walk away unchanged. And then, you, you know, you, you come the next day, and your friend says, like, hey, you have, like a, like, a thing of snot across your face? And you're like, yes, of course I do. I know it very well. It goes from here to here. Are you going to do anything about it? We... When we deceive ourselves and we have a, a hard heart and we know the word, it's like the person who sees all the things in the mirror and knows all the things that are pointed out by God's word, but then walks away unchanged. Now, before this, in verse 8, it says, or earlier before in James, it talks about humbly receiving the word. And as we look at the soils, the difference is the reception. And not just receiving it initially, but actually receiving it and allowing it to change you. Encounter can be dangerous. Now, I say the same thing to my Cornerstone students. I tell them, you are, some of you, are in the most dangerous place you can be. I'll tell you what I, what I tell my Cornerstone students because it would fit. You're in the most dangerous place you could be because for some of you, you have depended on your cultural Christianity for your whole life and you haven't actually allowed the word of God to change you. And I say that because that's exactly what I did for a long, long time. And so I know what it's like. Speaking from firsthand experience, I know what that's like. And it's not Encounter's fault. It's not Cornerstone's fault. Um, we can easily do that. And so don't judge your heart by the circumstances that you're in. Um, also, and this is probably the easiest thing to do, we might say, oh, I, I take this part from God's word and I am following that. I am allowing that to, uh, to guide me or change me or whatever it is. You have to take all of it. You can't say, I'm going to take this part and not this part. You can't look in the mirror and say, I'm going to work, you know, I'm going to work on that thing and then leave this thing. That's what the Pharisees did. 
they would, they would pick and choose the ones they liked. So jumping ahead a little bit, um, as you think about this stuff, as you think about God's Word, you have to be prepared for the things that you don't like when you read God's Word. The things that challenge you, those are the things that you have to be aware of. Um, if, if, for example, you have simply depended on your Christian situations and you've never actually repented of your sin, you've never actually trusted in Jesus for salvation, it's very easy that no one else knows that. Very easy to do. There's a really scary phrase in here. And to be honest, um, that's one of those things where it's like, okay, I, I get the point. Don't know if I fully understand every aspect to that. But in the original um, passage, it says the, the ones on the path are those who have heard, but then the devil comes and takes away their word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. Um, if you harden your heart long enough and you reject God long enough, you might get what you want. Uh, we were talking this week about, I think it was about the Pharisees in one of my classes. And uh, one of the students said, okay, did they, did they really believe this? And if you'd asked me 20 years ago, I'd say, I don't think so. But then as you grew up, you realize, and it was actually quite wise, one of the other seventh graders said, you lie to your lo- yourself long enough and you believe it. You harden your heart long enough and wear that shell of Christianity and you might believe it. I don't know all the implications of this phrase, but it's terrifying. That those who harden their heart, the religious leaders who knew everything, Satan comes and takes it away. And then, again, I want to be careful of how I word this, but according to the parable, it's gone. They rejected it. Oh, it's still, it's still there in their ears, but they got what they wanted. And that's a, that's a scary phrase. Um, you can harden your heart as a Christian for so long that you lie to yourself. Again, I, and I'm not trying to like trash my dad or anything. It's just, this is a reality. Um, it's a perfect example of like, oh, you, you lie to yourself. You, you live in arrogance toward God and others for so long. And then you genuinely believe, I am a follower of Jesus. You, you, you tell yourself that even though it's obvious that the soil of your heart is so hard and so proud. And that's why one of the things that as you think about um, your groups and discussion, it might be hard, but allow other people who know you to lovingly speak into your heart and vice versa. So how does the Bible address this heart? It's pretty straightforward. Humility. Um, you can't, you have to be, recognize that God's word is the only thing that's going to change you. If there's arrogance in there, if there's me, you know, I'm good enough, whatever it is, you think 
that you don't really need to trust in Jesus because you've been raised in a Christian home or whatever it is, that arrogance will stop the word from taking, um, taking hold. It's, it doesn't get easier. It gets harder. And I imagine some of those of us who are older uh, here would probably say the same thing. Um, when you look in the mirror, let's say you, uh, or you look in the mirror and you realize you see something that, that's been there for a long time, that's hard. It's really hard to humbly say, oof, that's been a sin that I have turned a blind eye to for a long time. It takes humility, and it's a daily thing. Um, I'm guessing there's nobody here that said, well, I looked in the mirror last week, so I'm good to go. I hope you didn't do that. Uh, it'd be this, it's the same with God's Word. You have to always, right now, you have to understand and accept if I'm going to, if God's word is going to have an impact on my life, then I have to live in humility before God's word. Live in it. Not just from the time I pray to prayer every day. Um, so some thoughts to think about. I want to I avoid scaring anyone. Like that's kind of the, I don't want anyone who uh, might look and, oh, like I was proud about this thing last week and therefore this is me. Um, so I don't want to scare someone into like, you know, making everyone feel like they have a hard heart, okay? Um, sometimes we, we can hear something like that and we just, you know, judge ourselves, judge ourselves. Be honest with yourself if that's you. But I don't want to scare you if you're, you know, you're like struggling with pride and you recognize that that kind of thing. This is about the core attitude toward God's, toward God's word. So even if this isn't you, and you say, which is fine, like, it's okay. You might know right now, like, genuinely, honestly, and you're like, if I look at my life, like, I'm the good soil. That, that's okay. That's okay. That's a great thing, okay? But even if it isn't you, or you look at this and say, I can honestly say that's not me, um, you need to always have the mindset of receiving God's word with humility, and be ready for those times where there's a challenge that, that hurts you. Or maybe even a challenge that the people around you don't accept of being willing to say, this is what God's word says, and I'm going to allow it to change me. Um, I thought about, outside of thinking about like preparing and everything, I thought about this heart this week in class. Um, we, it's a freshman class. There's a big difference between seventh and eighth graders and freshmen. Seventh and eighth graders is like, you know, fun, like crazy and like, you know, you're doing basic facts, that kind of stuff. And then ninth grade, there's like this change of like, oh, we're going to like, this stuff hits hard. And we were talking about uh, marriage and divorce. And there's a lot of, it was a, it was a heavy day. There's a lot of kids who, um, you know, have, have seen, uh, just gone through a lot of hurt, right? And they were asking, um, what if, what if two people just don't, they just don't want to change? And there's not much hope. And I, I finished, you know, after that class, immediately thought of this. 
of there are a lot of people, Christians or, you know, people who are in Christianity, who are dependent upon all the other things, but they haven't actually been changed, and they don't receive the word with humility. And then they get into a relationship with another sinner. And they're not living in humility where they're actually willing to change. And it doesn't go well. Now, this isn't a thing on marriage, but you're going to bring that into your relationships. You're going to bring that into work. Other people are at some point probably going to see it. But it all comes down to, like you think, talking about marriage, if you are unwilling to humbly see where you need to change, there is no hope. Not doesn't mean you'll get divorced or whatever, but if you are not willing to repent and to receive what God's word says and say, oh man, this is hard, but by God's grace, I'm going to change. Relationships, that's how relationships get broken. I've seen it. I've seen it. I'm sure you guys have seen it too. And so it's not, it affects you, it affects the other people around you. It's about a life lived in humility, always being ready to receive that, that change. And it can be very difficult. Um, we're going to head into um, some, some a question time or a discussion time, um, which if you, if you ever want to talk to me about anything, please feel free. Um, that's great. I would love that. But I would also encourage you, because I'm, I'm here through Sunday and then you might never see me again. I would encourage you to find someone that you know and that knows you someone that you know loves the Lord and was walking with him and find that person and sit down and talk with them. Someone that you know can be there for you. Someone who, because this is a hard conversation to have maybe, if you're like, yeah, this is me, you, you got to find somebody that you know you can trust and listen to them and talk to them and there'll be someone that can be there for you. Um, as we go into the discussion time, it's not a competition, okay? Um, in other words, like, don't feel like, listen, if this isn't you, that's great. You don't have to, like, you know, sometimes we like, oh, I have to admit to, like, whatever, you know. That's fine. Uh, it's not a competition. But just listen to other people and be willing to let them understand you and understand them more. And be honest with yourself. If you, you do not have to, have to share, I don't think. You don't have to share but if you're going to share something, be honest. Because if you're not, that's just another foot trampled on the path of hardening and covering. So if you're going to share, be honest. And the people in your group, maybe they don't, you know, maybe not everybody knows everybody, but I would guess most people who are here are here because they care. And so trust that and let other people speak into your life. Let's pray. Lord, we need you. We need you and your word and your spirit to change us. I pray for any of these students, young adults, um, if, if this is them, if they have hardened their heart and not actually 
um, repented and turned to you and allowed your word to change them, that today would be the day of salvation. And Lord, we pray that this would be a pattern of our lives, all of us, of humbly becoming, coming before your word and receiving what you have to say, even though it can be difficult, it can hurt, can challenge us. And I thank you for the people who are here, that you don't call us to do this in a vacuum, that we are the body of Christ joined together and we can do this together. And so, Lord, I pray that tonight in the discussion time and even throughout the weekend, that those who might see themselves um, represented here would trust that Jesus changes everything, that they would know that you love them and that only you have the power to change their heart. In Christ's name we pray. encounter and ways to get involved at isuencounter.org.